0: Before we get to uh, today's podcast, I would like to thank our sponsors. First and foremost, Erin Chance of Unkindness Art. Unkindness Art is one of Richmond, Virginia's premier tattoo studios. Erin Chance is my personal tattoo artist. She is an amazing young lady and an amazing artist, besides being an amazing tattoo artist. If the name sounds familiar, it might be because you saw her in the ninth Season of Inkmasters, where she represented herself, her team, and Unkindness Art very well. If you want to check out her bio or any of the other amazing artists at Unkindness Art, please visit unkindnessart.com. Also, we'd like to thank our returning sponsor, Three Crosses Distillery, threecrossesdistilling.com. Three Crosses Distillery is located in Powhatan, Virginia, They are an amazing family-owned company. Their entire family trains at Mongrel Martial Arts, so you know we appreciate them. They make some of the best whiskey, moonshine, vodka, gin, rum, and adult beverages around. Stop on by Powhatan. They are located in the heart of Powhatan, Three Crosses Distillery. Try some of their tasty beverages. They are now able to open up their outdoor patio and seating area and tell them JB sent you. And last but not least, I would like to thank Bone Frog Challenge for their support. Bone Frog Challenge is an amazing obstacle course race series. It is owned by and run by Navy SEALs. I will personally tell you, I have run several of these races that they have put on up and down the East Coast. You will get your ass handed to you. It is a great series run by great people. Go check them out at BoneFrogChallenge.com for a race series near you.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mongrel Podcast. Uh, our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Thomas Webb. Thomas has got quite a resume, um, Marine, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Black Belt, and a very accomplished professional and awesome, in my opinion, author. And the reason I say that is because I love the books that he's writing. Uh, hey, Thomas, how you doing, bud?
2: Hey, what's up, JB? Thanks for having me, man.
1: Oh, man, glad to have you here. So um, Thomas and I have known each other for quite a few years. We we met through jujitsu. Um, I was training at another camp. He was at another camp, but we just kind of hit it off, had a good friendship. Um, and then um, as years went by, I wanted to go a different direction with my training. And he was one of the first people I just kind of naturally sat down and chatted with. And he was like, had some really good advice. And he said, yeah, maybe talk here, talk there. Um, and I ended up going to the camp where he still uh, trains at. And he's a black belt with uh, MMA Institute. So I'm um, quite sure a lot of people are very thankful for you doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful for them.
1: Yeah. So give me a little bit of a background. So <clears throat> you're a very unique individual. You're, you're a Marine. Um, then of course you go into jujitsu, which people are sort of like, okay, there's a lot of military, uh, one of our previous podcasts, we talked about PTSD in the military. It just seems like, but then all of a sudden you're an author (laughs) and a very accomplished author. You've got a lot of books out and they're really good. And I really enjoy Mm -hmm. it. And I literally like never have any time to sit down and read. But when I do, and I'm not saying this because you're sitting in front of me, but it's literally your, <laughs> your books are the only books that I read um, yeah. because they are so good, but they're so diverse. And we'll I'll get into that in a little bit. So can you give us a little bit of a background of your like your personal journey, sort of like, you know, you don't have to go deep, deep, deep,
0: deep, but your
1: anything that you feel that would be what would have um, influenced your writing at the end point?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure, man. Um. It's a good question. So you mentioned, uh, all of a sudden I became a writer, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate. Right. <laughs> so I've been doing this. Uh, I've been writing since I was a little kid. And as far as my influences, man, I'd have to say, you know, I just read a lot as a child. Um, I was read to quite a bit. Uh, and I always love those stories, man. Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, any kind of fantasy sci-fi type, uh, stories. Those were always my favorite. So I think it was sort of natural that it progressed. That uh, those are just kind of the kind of stories that I now write. It just
1: seems to make sense, you know. Right. So when and um, in, and in, in we did we did chat a little bit. So you you've been writing forever, but you professionally just started writing a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, that's right. What um, was
1: that point? What what kind of what made you take the leap to go from you know I've been having fun with this. This is a hobby. Let's mm-hmm. do it for real. What, what was that catalyst?
2: Yeah. So, um, I'd initially got this idea, uh, to combine a couple of cool genres that I enjoy, uh, the military, the military thriller and the steampunk genre. Uh, so I got the spark of this idea, you know, it was, I wrote a book, my first time ever first draft. Um, it was horrible <laughs> <laughs> as they are. So, uh, you know, I wrote it again, I did some studying, uh, got my manuscript down. My original intention was just to self-publish that book uh, So in the process of that work, um, you know I found somebody that could you know, do my cover and kind of edit and and all those background things that that go into the process of actually creating a book it was during that process that I saw a uh, a Facebook ad uh, You know, this guy was asking for manuscripts. He had a brand new publishing company and uh he wanted submission. So, you know, I said, you know, why the hell not? So I sent it off. I'd already completed it. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, he liked it. He ended up publishing it.
1: Now was this your first book stalemate? That's right. Stalemate.
2: Yeah. The first book in the uh, clockwork thriller series. Uh, so the guy's name was Andrew Cobble, a Cobble publishing. He was already kind of established himself. He had a successful series of fantasy novels. He was just looking to, uh, you know, to put new authors on. And I was fortunate enough to be selected as one of those. Uh, you know, he signed me to a three-book contract, uh, you know, fulfilled that contract, and, and now I'm kind of on my own. And uh, those three books ended up being that, that uh, Clockwork Thriller series.
1: All right, so now, I know, because I read it, but mm. what was... Could you do a little bit better because they're your babies? Could you do uh, like a a little wrap up of like what those three books entailed? Because I think I think when I started reading them, I love the fact that you didn't tell me anything about them, and I started reading them. And there's certain aspects that I started coming across that I'm like, okay, it's sort of like a history. And then I'm like, wait a minute, there's a type of motorized clockwork horse. What? What? (laughs) Wait a minute. There's blimps. I'm like airship. I'm like wait a minute. And it it drew me in because it, it really did, you didn't go, in my opinion, you didn't do a lot of fluff in the very beginning. You weren't sitting there going like, this is what's happening here. And this is what's happening. You basically took this book series and you smacked the reader in the face and they were in it and they were in it from the beginning and they were going and they, me, I'm just saying this, I was so drawn in that I just couldn't wait to get through it because I needed to know where this was going. Not only the storyline, but the entire world that you had built around the storyline. And I really liked how you didn't overload it. You didn't, I feel sometimes authors will do too much of background. They'll just start building up like, okay, this here, this here, this here. You you added those details along as the story went, which I loved. So what was, could you do a little wrap-up of what those three books entailed
2: yeah for sure and i uh i appreciate you saying all that um you know they were a ton of fun to write so i'll just give you kind of the tagline for the books and that is uh jules verne uh meets vince flynn right so and i say that because the jules verne aspect is kind of the steampunk the uh the older technology sort of mixed with kind of the newer stuff and then Vince Flynn, as, I don't know, folks who are listening may or may not know, in my opinion, is probably the best thriller writer who ever lived. He wrote the uh, Mitch Rapp series of books. So in a nutshell, it's uh, Jules Verne meets Vince Flynn. It's kind of that, uh, that sort of amalgamation of those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my stories, um, I describe them as uh, sort of alternate history military thrillers takes place uh, during the Civil War era, but uh, it's sort of an alternate history Civil War where there are, as you mentioned, airships, clockwork robots, uh, there are steam powered horses, all that cool stuff. And then kind of where my military background comes in, I tried to blend in sort of actual tactics and and maneuvers, uh, as well as uh, I threw some jujitsu in there too in a couple of places. So all that stuff comes into play. It's kind of like a stew that I mix together, and it, uh, in my opinion, it just comes out delicious, man.
1: Well, I, I, I agree. I, I love the series. Um, I also like the fact that, in, in my opinion, and I don't want to go too, too deep into it because I don't ruin it because one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because I want to share my love for the book, and I want other people to get into this book. So I don't want to basically say anything more about the book, but sure. I love how there's actually, even though it's a three-book series, I think there's more there
2: yeah that's uh that's fair to say so <clears throat> well that series I, I definitely try to leave the door open for more down the line uh, you know really it just depends and this is specific i think to the publishing business since since that book was published through a publishing company and i didn't do it myself there are kind of rights issues and things like that so if they decide that they want that series to continue then i can certainly do that but then if they don't I kind of had to strike that balance between wrapping the story up and also leaving it open in case uh, maybe there is more to explore later. And to your point, I think that there is certainly, and there could be, but uh, you know,
1: we'll we'll just have to see. Gotcha. We'll have to See how the publisher uh, how that shakes out. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let me make a note. Someone I need to write. Yeah. <laughs> I want <laughs> more. Right. I want more. Um. So you. So, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the, the next series that you are now, that's that's now all yours, right? You don't, that's yours. You can do whatever you want. Okay, good. So, we'll get to that in a minute. So, let's go back to the first original series. So, you mentioned that you added some jujitsu in there and you also added in your your tactic training from the military. So, can right. we add, can we kind of, I know I used that word earlier for describing books, but let's, let's fluff that out some more. Let's, uh, what? Sure let's give some more meat to the bones, like if, whatever you're comfortable talking with your military career. And yeah. as you said, you've been writing forever. So correct. Where are you writing during your military career? Uh,
2: some, but uh, I think for an author, I think you have to, some reach it earlier than others, but I think you've got to reach a certain level of maturity. You got to have a certain life experience before you can actually translate those things onto paper. And for me, that didn't happen until a little bit later. Even though I had been writing, the things that I was writing, I don't think they were probably polished enough for general consumption until I really started to hone my craft. Uh, with respect to kind of my military background and how the tactics come into play, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but if I'm reading something or if I'm watching a show or a movie, I mean, just coming from that background, I pay pretty particular attention to kind of how how things are executed, you know, stuff I hate to see is like, uh, you know, bad trigger discipline, or like ridiculous tactics, or thousands of rounds, and, you know, nobody's hurt or injured, it just seems, you know, it doesn't seem like it's realistic. But coming from that background, as I know you do as well, those are things that stand out. So I try to make it so that my reader, whether they're, you know, whether they have a similar background, or whether they don't, they can still enjoy the story, but those who are more seasoned can kind of see some of the things in it that relate to, you know, their training, their actual tactics, maybe some of their experiences.
1: Yeah, no, I, I yeah, definitely. I, my wife hates to watch any form of military uh, moving with me because <laughs> right or, or anything that deals with like clearing out rooms or CQB close quarter battle exactly tactics because you know I'm just sitting there like throwing my air my hands up in the air and I'm like they wouldn't do that they would enter a room they'd cut the pie, they would cut the pot they would but they're crossing in front of each other and blah 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 and and she's yep. just like you know I really hate watching movies with you <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right yeah and you know it's funny you mentioned room clearing because in those books when when the characters clear a room I try to actually have them clear a room. Like when they stack on that door, when they breach, it's happening the way that uh, you know the way that I was trained and the way that I practiced, and I think it's a realistic view of what what might actually happen given you know the technology, the weapons, the tools at their disposal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I did like the balance because it's almost like you could have gone so far down a rabbit hole. I mean, you could have made up some wicked, wild, monstrous contraptions that even though we are talking about it an alternate universe with the civil war and the steampunk and all that you, right. you did you did keep it into and i know people are going to be, they're going to hear what i'm about the same that makes no sense but you <laughs> keep it realistic you know yes. they're, you know they're you know the the yeah i'm kind i don't want to talk too much about it, it like the the weapons of uh, of larger destruction or we'll right. um it makes sense it what could happen fits in that realm you know you didn't just all of a sudden come out with some nuclear fission and you know it's it's something weird's going on warp drives pop out of nowhere (laughs) people like wait a minute it follows and it makes sense so all right so you you're taking your background you're taking your training you're adding that in what happens what where do you draw the line and how far to go deep down with the military aspect you don't you wanted to keep a, night in my opinion, again, like I said earlier, this was so, somewhat of a historical story with the steampunk, so a little bit of a fantasy. You go alternate universe, so we're talking a right. little sci-fi. Then you throw the military in. Again, I know I'm so, like, glomming all over you, but I really do love this series. You had a nice little balance. Right. Obviously, neither one of us was in the Civil War.
2: Right. <laughs> I...
1: I I appreciate the steampunk, but I'm not really sure if I could work it or make it or develop it. Um, we've got the milita- military part of it. How did you find the balance? I mean, you're basically taking a sci-fi, which is an author you can make up. You also have the realm of, you know, going into something like the military. That's a good background. Right. You yourself is up in the air. How did you, did you find a hard time making a balance between them? So
2: when you're writing, you have to have rules for for your universe, for lack of a better word. Um, You have to establish those rules pretty early, and you have to stick to them. I mean, if you don't, the reader is going to feel cheated, and rightly so. Uh, I found that if you stay within the boundaries of those rules that you've set for yourself, for example, uh, you know, there's, like you said, there's no warp drives, there's no magic you can't have that stuff suddenly pop up at the end of the story uh again if you do that you know it's just not going to be true to the story or or to the reader if you stay within the boundaries of those rules that balance tends to take care of itself
1: if that makes sense it does it does Gotcha. yeah okay good 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 good. yeah so let's go with the the thing that um that was added in and Mm -hmm. again i appreciate uh, being a jujitsu practitioner that it was a it was in your novels your yes. book. Uh, but again, you didn't turn it into a jujitsu biography, jujitsu book. It was a, an added spice, as you said earlier, that soup. You it, it was a nice ingredient within that soup. How yeah. did you find working that in? Uh,
2: man, as you know, like, that's our background. So I found it quite easy. I loved it. Uh, I think the struggle, as you mentioned before, is just not to have too much, you know, you don't, you're not writing a jiu-jitsu textbook, you're not writing a textbook on tactics, and you don't want it to read like one. You want to have just enough true detail in there to make it uh, so that practitioners will get it, but you also want to have it exciting enough and entertaining enough that your average reader who knows zero about jiu-jitsu, about weapons, or about tactics, will still find it engaging. That's the challenge.
1: Yeah, and there you know, there's a, a couple things that you had referenced that um that I actually would stop reading and I'd actually go back and look into like real history, like little aspects of the the war. And I kinda of, oh, did, did any of that happen at all, you know? And I and I like how you found a nice like there was some facts and then there was also some fiction. And I liked how, you know, that that came true because I mean that came through because it made it very interesting. I'm a little bit of a research nerd, so oh, Obviously, when you say anything about tactics, I got it. When you say anything about the jujitsu, I got it. Sci-fi, I just kind of accept it because that's your universe you're creating. But right. then you would throw in like actual physical locations, then I'm just kind of looking up, going like, "Oh, would it take that long to get there in an airship?" You know, man. and then it, yeah, it, you it, too, it, huh? <laughs> it, it did, and it and it worked. It like it made, right. it, it would take that long, you know. So I yeah. love. There's some people going like, "Civil War airship." Wait a minute,
0: I gotta look that up.
1: Yeah. So um, do you feel with the, the, this clockwork series, do you feel that maybe there was more, um, was there more left on the bone? Is there something more now that you they're, they're out, they're done? Is there something there that you would like to, man, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done that. And of course, you gotta come just shy of ruining things too, so you can't, you can't tell any <laughs> um, Is, yeah, is there any more that you would have liked to have done?
2: Oh, man. So, yeah, I guess it's maybe like the blessing and the curse of being a writer. But, uh, you know, you can always come up with more story, right? There were things that I had in mind, directions that I could have taken that story, certainly. Uh, I mean, add infinitum, anywhere. But, uh, you know, as a writer, as a professional writer, you have certain constraints. Uh, you know, maybe it's a certain word count, a certain page count certain number of books in this case it was three so with that being fulfilled i'd take those ideas and you know either you put them on the back burner maybe you use them later or maybe you incorporate them into another story maybe a military science fiction
1: story (laughs) maybe your current series right okay so so since you've opened that door let's, (laughs) let's go ahead and talk about the next series um so this is the one um the separ- separatist wars right and i you know un- unfortunately I'm, I'm not too far through I'm, I'm still working on book one hidden nemesis okay um but what was so funny is like directly out of the out of the blocks it was the same thing again now of course i can't attest to this as much as i can clockwork because i have not read all that you have mm-hmm. but just what i have read Again, it's the same thing that I feel—that you're, you're, bam, you're, you're, you're out of the blocks. You're running. You're in this story, yeah. And you're yeah. getting information fed to you when you need it fed to you. Um, and I, I will kind of, I'll break back the, the cover a little bit on something. There, um, I'm, I'm going to be very vague, but in the very, very beginning of the first book, there is a little bit of like we're talking like between realms happens and and, and things are being hidden Mm -hmm. right but it's so interesting that i guess because i read the older the, the clockwork series i'm sort of like already it's still steampunkish in my head and i may be completely wrong with that but i love how it's like already there's these these apparatuses being used yeah um but again it's not taking over the story it's sort of like there's something going on uh person's being chased they've got to hide something and instead of sticking it under a pillow, it goes into another realm. And I'm like, what, what?
0: It's completely <laughs> right.
1: different from the first book series. And I was just like, man, I don't think,
2: Yeah.
1: I, I feel I'm pretty inventive. I, I, I'm artistic. I got, a, a, I think a pretty good mind. That right. departure was so massive when I read it. I was like, oh my God, this is going <laughs> a completely different direction. Because yeah. when I first got into it, I was wondering, is there going to be a tie-in? Okay, yeah. And I'm like, Okay, no way. There's no way. This is completely so what where did you I mean that was a massive switch in your writing style. How did that happen?
2: Yeah, so um I'm big on, on following the story. Uh so this is a different genre, right? This is uh this is more true science fiction, I guess in its truest sense. So there is intergalactic space travel, there's pulse weapons, uh you know there's the technology is going to be quite different than the steam powered stuff that you get in a steampunk genre um uh, so as you know as part of the story i needed something to happen the part that you allude to uh, and and that departure was just kind of a natural occurrence as as i was working out the details of the plot um i mean yeah so Military science fiction is gonna be my first love as far as that's concerned, but uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it definitely, the, later on in the series when you're starting to um, introduce the other main characters coming in, and it was, and I, I, I actually read it like three times, um, the introduction to the rest of the crew, the rest of that major group, right. how they're coming back from a mission and how it is heavy and i mean you wrote it it was heavy yeah it was like wow i mean that that hit hard and it was it was very interesting how you went from you you know you you could introduce characters which again you know if you go back to the clockwork series uh characters are being introduced in different phases different ways it was a very it flowed it made sense and you're like basically running through the streets and the next thing you know and again I, I don't want to go any further i really don't want to go too further because I, people need to read it yeah. you are you are meeting the rest of the team at the worst time for them
2: yeah very and true really
1: set a pace for as it's continuing and it, it was it was a very interesting way to do that yeah thank you yeah
2: there's um you can actually get uh the backstory of that that final mission of how those parts of the team come together. Uh, if you go to my website, it's for free. It's just a short story, but I wanted to write a little bit more about uh, how they got to that point uh, where you initially meet them. So it just, it details that mission and what, and what went down. Um, again, you can get that at the website, but. Yeah, what's the website? I'm sorry? What's the website? Uh, website's thomaswebbooks.com. Yeah.
1: T H O M A S W E B B books. Okay, right. We right. make sure everybody knows that. Um, okay, so all right. I haven't read that one. I've read this section that we're we're discussing. Only twenty pages, man. So it's. But here, here here's my thing. Um, showing my little Star Wars geekness right here. Okay. Yeah. You and I both grew up on the original trilogy. Yes. Star Certainly. Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Yep. There is a whole generation, m- multiple generations, I don't wanna talk about our age too much, but there's multiple <laughs> generations <laughs> yeah, right. that started with episode one, and then two, and then three. What I'm getting to is the impact. So I've had people ask me, like who have never watched Star Wars before. Of course, I think they're freaks, but okay, well, we'll okay. I've, JB, I've never seen Star Wars. Where should I start? I always tell yeah. them to start with the fourth episode, Star Agreed. Wars, which has now been retitled New Hope, for the simple fact of an Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader looks at Luke and says, I am your father. Yeah, spoiler alert. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, don't, they haven't watched it. <laughs> Screw them. I'm not. I'm yeah. Not. So now I don't want people to read that little 20 page thing. They need to read that that because then, I, it, it softens the blow. Oh so, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if they if if they start off with Star Wars one two and three and Vader goes you know I'm your father we're like yeah we know. Yeah, We know this. Yeah. But it was such an impactful moment. And uh, if if a little sidebar here, if no one's ever seen it, look up uh, when um, Mark Hamill is actually talking about when that was filmed and done. How Harrison Ford? No one knew. Literally, oh, wow. George. That yeah. I do you know that. George Lucas came up to Mark Hamill right before they shot the scene. I I apologize. I cannot remember the actor's name who played Vader, and sat there and said, "This is the line that you're going to use." Because there were there was other things that they were going to say. Yeah. And they wanted it to be pure and raw. After they shot it, everything is done. Good. rapid. All right. Good. All right. Let's go get lunch or let's we're done for the day. Harrison Ford yeah. walked over to Mark Hamill and go. Why the hell didn't you tell me this? You know, <laughs> everybody was. But you've got to hear Mark Hamilton because he Mark Hamill like mimics Harrison Ford so beautifully. Yeah. But, but that was a punch. That was a punch in the gut. People need mm. to read, in my opinion, people need to read this first book to get that punch. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, afterwards, but I, afterwards, afterwards go, go back and read it. it. Yeah, afterwards <laughs> go back and read it. So, it's like, when you get back ha- halfway through the book, can you go back and read it? Yeah I like right Maybe at after, the end. When when they so, go to the after action, can they go read it then?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's a link at the end. So
1: Okay, see there you go. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, my my only major complaint about your books is none of them are available in Audible yet. Um Hey, right. yeah. Is that is that happening? Could
0: it happen?
2: Uh it could. Um I'd talk to a couple of people about it in the business. Um Essentially, they like for it to be a little bit more seasoned before they do audiobook uh, cuz that's yeah, there's quite a bit of work involved in that. And honestly, that aspect of executing a book I'm less familiar with,
1: but I know that it
2: involves voice actors and quite a bit of studio time. So. Uh,
1: and I'm a massive audible freak fan. I mean, every, I mean, I, I'm constantly yeah. listening to books. um, And I, there, there's no way I could ever do it. You know, yeah. it, it it's, it's, um, and I, I, there is a, I think the gentleman who did the um, uh, Game of Thrones, he did the audible for that. He actually okay. mimics so many different voices. He's in the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, wow. And yeah. I could not imagine right. reading a series with multiple actors and having to change inflections in your voice or something, too, and then continuing and, and keeping track of what you did to change that voice. Yeah. And for and, Game uh, of Thrones, is every chapter. So every chapter it's a different viewpoint right yeah how he did it was absolutely amazing I, I i would go nuts so um so basically what i'm saying is when it comes down to, uh comes down to you looking for people to read i i can't do it i'm off the table don't even call me please gotcha I love, I love you, but i can't do it um so where um so you um b- b- besides the um the smaller uh, the little 20 pager um you've got the um you've got the, the hidden nemesis, you've got counter-strike, which just came out uh, end of March. So right. is, is there a third one coming? So, yeah, there's actually a, um,
2: there is a prequel novella, uh, and it, uh, tells a story about, I guess I'm not giving anything away to say that in the beginning of the first book, the main characters in the brig, which is like military jail. For those of you who don't, who don't speak that language. He's in the brig, so there's a novella that tells about the mission that landed him in the brig, and that one is called Enemy Lines, so that's out as well. Uh, there's book one, Hidden Nemesis, that you mentioned that you're reading. Book two is Counter-Strike, and book three should be out uh, sometime in the fall. Uh, it is as yet untitled, but um, a little more than halfway through, uh, through the second draft for that, so I'll look for that in a few months.
1: Very nice. All right. So the novella that talks about the main character who's in the brig. When should we read that one?
2: You can read that one first. Okay. Yeah, that that one's uh
1: on sale, and um, it can be read as a standalone or as a prequel. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in in a world where a lot of your books are available online versus mm-hmm. paperback. So I, I have um the original, the the very first um, of the Clockworks stalemate. I have that in paperback that you actually autographed for me, which I love. Do you find people are still buying? I mean, is this something that you're privy to? Are you you seeing the numbers of buying an actual paper book, or is it a lot of online? Where do you see the trends going?
2: Yeah, so for uh, my first series, the Clockwork Thriller series, uh... I get the numbers late, the publisher sends them, but for my current series, I can see them more or less real time. Uh, the majority of those books are eBooks as of right now, but I think that it is a function of marketing. So for example, uh, if you go to, you know, if you go to a Barnes and Noble or something like that, and I know that folks aren't doing that as much right now in the current situation as they were, but if you go there, you're more likely than not, you're looking for a paperback book. You're, you're obviously you're not going to go to Barnes and Noble and try to buy an Mm -hmm. e-book. That market's still very much alive and well, believe it or not. Uh, And just speaking for myself, I sometimes like the physical feel of that book in my hands. I like the feel of the pages, the paper, uh, you know, I like just to read that at night without the light from your phone or from your device. But, uh, with that being said, the majority of my sales are, are eBooks, even though my books are available as paperback. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, most of what I'm seeing is, is eBooks via, you know, via Amazon, which is the, let's say 8,000 pound gorilla in the room. Right. Yeah. Amazon books.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I as well like that feel of the book, but as much as I move and groove and, and I'm always, uh, around, I, I have to limit to what I'm carrying and what I can have. Right. So I've got a Kindle, but I purposely set up my Kindle that it's got a very nice leather case to it, and I actually open it up like a book and I read okay. it like that. I also have uh, the um, the Kindle app on the iPad, but I really do like my Kindle because I can make it look more like a book and flipping the pages. You know, get that action of flipping the pages. Yeah, um,
2: and so, so convenient, that, right?
1: Oh, it's extremely convenient. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. nice, and then. Um, I just I went ahead and uh, registered, which I thought was a genius thing. Um, Unlimited Kindle, and it's a, a very small fee, but mm-hmm. I can get as many books as I want. And I really just did it just to get all your books so I could get them all done. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, thank no, it, no, it, we'll it, it is. It's it's a great series. I want to make sure I had it. And uh, I mean, I know I can call you up and say, Hey, bro, can I come over and grab a book? But um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Um but it's uh yes it's it's a massive convenience and, and I didn't know if it makes seem like somewhat of an ignorant question, but it it kind of pops to mind if you're writing for the like if I go back fifty years and I talk to an author mm-hmm. there's a tactile feel to holding a book now we're obviously more in the future here with technology. Is it almost sort of like? In a way, lends a hand to your sci-fi feel of your books. You're looking more at an online kind of deal. I mean, it's almost like like the clockwork. It makes sense. It's it's a, that period of time. Yeah. It's paper. Now you're talking more sci-fi. Is it sort of like a natural transition? It's like, hey, this is sci-fi. This is the future. This is. Yeah. And let's go all ebook online.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting take, man. And I think what it sounds like you're saying is, does the method that you receive by way that you receive the book actually lend to the experience of reading it? Exactly. Yes. So, um, you know, I had not thought about it from that perspective, but I could certainly see how that would be the case. Uh, You know, as a writer, you you want to impart upon the reader as valuable and entertaining an experience as you can. Uh, you know, you have a certain amount of control over that, uh, you know, what you write, the way in which you write it. You don't necessarily have control over the medium that they receive it. Uh, and I think the best that we can do is make it available to them and let them choose and, and hope that, like you said, it, the way that they receive the book enhances the experience that much more.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, cool. Well, what if? Uh, all right. So, uh, so second draft of the third book and right. um, the series um you're you're working on that right now so you know clockwork as it sits right now is is done um hopefully maybe the publisher will approach you and be like hey let's talk about something but you've got the separate you've got the separatist wars going on now um do you have anything on the back burner do i mean you know it's it's when i ignorant as I can say this when I have projects that I have ongoing there's already one in my mind now with you writing um, and I I, is as an avid reader the only way I can phrase this question is as an avid 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 reader I'm reading your book series I see a character that I'm really really interested in as you're writing, I'm quite sure there are some characters that are, like, your babies. Like, you know, you've got characters that fill in. You've got characters on these uh, outskirts. But then there's your main characters. Those are your babies. Do you have something that maybe in one of these other books, it, be it your clockwork series or Separatist, that has now, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z. And it's going to be a complete departure. Is something like that happening? Is you got something on the back burner coming? A little tease?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a a book, I've got a almost a veritable book of ideas of book ideas. Um, And usually for me, I don't know if it's this way with all writers, but, you know, it's just a matter of picking which one I want to go to next. Uh, You know, I could easily take some of my favorite characters and do like a side story, or I could start something completely new. Uh, You know, as I understand it, some writers don't, Not every writer, I guess I should say, has that kind of, uh, has that kind of opportunity. And just to put it simply, like writer's block for me is not, that's not something I've ever encountered. I've never been at a loss for stuff to write. Uh, So I consider myself lucky there. But, you know, to your question, do I have anything cooking now? Uh, Actually, as you mentioned it, yeah, I've got, this will be a bit of a departure, but I've got some fantasy stuff coming out. Uh, and I like to frame that as uh, Game of Thrones meets the movie 1917. So there'll be uh, yeah, there'll be aspects of uh, kind of that World War One era combat, but uh, there's also going to be magic and uh, trolls and uh, maybe a broadsword or two. So,
1: so the so the one scene that uh, that comes to mind from 1917, the movie, is the guy running down the trench lines while bombs are exploding behind him. Right. So this time it's going to be a dragon flying behind him, throwing fireballs at him. I'm liking it. I'm liking it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's that with uh, cannons and uh, maybe some
1: trolls. Very nice. So, I mean, all right. So that's just kind of rocks. My, okay, okay. So you know, I've read your <laughs> clockwork series. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into your separatist series. And now we're going Okay, yeah. how in the world can you, like, how does that work? I mean, it's like, there's, there's no common grail. <laughs> it's,
0: right. it's so I
2: think probably the common thread is going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be some sort of, generally in everything I write, there's going to be some sort of military thread, right? Maybe it's a modern-day soldier, maybe it's a Marine from the future, or maybe it's a soldier with a broadsword and a musket. Uh, but I think that's the common thread, although I will admit that I I am a bit of a genre hopper as far as what I write. Um, I love to write all sorts of stuff, and those are just the novels. You know, I've got quite a few published short stories as well that span genres from, you know, straight horror to urban fantasy, which is like witches and cats and stuff in the modern day, so um, I don't know, man. I just love a good story, and I get an idea I'll just try to follow it where it takes me
1: that's awesome that's awesome. so I mean is there is there any question that I mean I'm very happy with all that we've chatted about um I I got a couple more questions for you, but is there anything that you wanted to add to your background your stories anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to flesh out more or uh
2: you know man I mean uh I guess if you wanted to uh go into jujitsu a, lo- a little bit more, or if you wanted to talk about, you know, any of our backgrounds with respect to that, we can yeah. discuss more how it plays in the reading, or we can just talk about, you know, how I kind of got to where I'm at today, as far as, as far as the training and the, uh, you know, the impact that it's had on the writing or, or life in general.
1: All right. We'll definitely do that. So at my last wrap up, question as an author though um sure. and we'll definitely delve into the jiu because yeah i can talk about that forever um and this oh, is yeah. a based podcast all right <laughs> uh, so what if you've got somebody out there listening to this right now and let's go i hate to cover a, a really wide spectrum but let's just sit there and say maybe they've been writing for a while yes what would be your best advice to a young writer or a young at heart writer getting stuff out, like like what, I can almost imagine that there are people out there that have stories. Maybe they just have them in their heart and their minds. They haven't put it Mm -hmm. to paper yet. What would be the first step to someone writing a story? What what do you, I mean, I would almost sit there and think if someone's come to me like, we want you to write a story and maybe through my life experiences and my, again, being an avid reader, I could start throwing some ideas down. Is that pretty much just, how it would be just start throwing things on the paper and see where the journey takes you? Um,
2: I'll answer that kind of twofold. Uh, and I'll do it to say that in my experience, there's two kinds of writers. There's what we call plotters who are folks that plot out their entire story before they start to write it. There's what we call, you know, do the air quotes pantsers Mm -hmm. and essentially that's a person that writes by the seat of their pants. They sit down, they start writing a story. They don't plot anything out and they just go. Uh, I think probably your first step is to figure out which one of those you are. And the only way to do that is to put your butt in the chair, start writing something on the paper and see what happens. Gotcha. right. If you're a plotter, then I would say, you know, plot your story out and write it. If you're a pantser, then just write it. What you'll notice, the common thread between those two things is that you have to write it. I was very surprised, you know, sitting down as a professional writer, and I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise, but the toughest thing about writing a novel (laughs) is actually writing a novel. Every period, every comma, you know, every word, every sentence, you actually got to type that out. And you're probably typing it out several times as you go through the editing process. And it's tough. Uh, So if you're an aspiring writer and you're just starting out, uh, and a novel seems kind of too intimidating for you, I would say write a short story. It's a great way to kind of learn the craft. Uh, you start something, you get that sense of accomplishment from finishing it. Uh, you know, and, and in as little as a couple of days, you can have a finished product. You know, whether you want to try to get it published or not, you know, it's up to you. And it's probably a subject for a, an entirely different podcast. <laughs> but uh i'd say the most important thing is get the words on paper Uh, get something finished you know you can't as one of my uh idols says you can't edit a blank page so make it so that page is not blank that's your very first step
1: i i think that's perfect way of saying that that is awesome all right um beautiful so with all that being said so we've talked about your clockwork series separatist series you got the new series, Cooking, right. Departure. I can't wait to see all that. Um, yeah. I'm just thankful that I'm so busy because uh, I, I can read your books at a good pace. And by the time I get to the second book, the third one will be out, and I'll be happy about that. Because um, right. they, they are really, really good books. So we'll, we'll end this segment with just telling everybody, uh, what was the web page again? Yeah, it's uh, thomaswebbooks.com all right and And that will have all the links to any way they can purchase the books or anything
2: that is correct everything is on that website uh free giveaway stuff you can also uh check me out on facebook uh my author page is on there and it is also thomas webb
1: books gotcha and um of course i again set up the um uh, prime has got all your paperback books out kindle's got the Kindle series out, Kindle Unlimited, and yep. was awesome for me. Um, so good, so awesome. All right, so now, jujitsu. Yeah. But, uh, what, 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 uh, where was the start of that for you? What, what was the, what made you put on the heavy pajamas and step on the mat and meet right. some of the people who choked you? Yeah, that's
2: right. So uh, <clears throat> I got out of the Marine Corps, I was 24 years old, you know, fresh out of the Corps uh, had no idea what to do. World was in front of me. Uh, started college while I was in college. I, um, I started, uh, kind of just bouncing in some of the bars, just doing security. You're familiar with this work. Yep. Um, and, uh, as a bouncer, you meet all types of people, as you well know. Uh, and you also meet, what has turned out to be some lifelong friends for me uh, as far as like your coworkers, like your fellow bouncers and for me one of those guys was a gentleman by the name of jacob young uh, and probably for a lot of you guys listening you you'll know who jake is he is the uh, head black belt instructor uh, under rick mccoy at mma institute so i've known jake uh, since he was a purple belt uh, we were bouncing in the bar, uh, you know, it was before it got busy. We were talking, as bouncers do, about uh, stuff like martial arts uh, in general. And uh, Jake mentioned that he was doing this thing called uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which at the time I'd never heard of. I said, oh, well, that sounds cool. Uh, you know, he asked if I maybe wanted to give it a try. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I had background in traditional martial arts, uh, Kembo Karate, Kyoku Kai." Did some wrestling in high school, uh, actually, with your little brother. It's yeah. probably a different uh, – <laughs> another different podcast. but Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so – Get that um, knucklehead on here, yeah. I don't right,
2: care. right. I figured, you know, I was, when I was young, I was in shape, I had a martial arts background. I was like, yeah, I'll try some, some of this Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, how, how hard can it be, right?
1: <laughs> how hard could it be? I wonder how many people have said that.
2: Yeah, I mean, as it turned out, it was, it was really hard. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, the minute I stepped on, on the mat, I knew I was like, either this is going to kill me or I'm going to kill it. So, so far, neither of those things has happened, but we've at least gotten to sort of a comfortable truce, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, so, you know, I was, um, yeah, it was through, through uh, my brother that we kind of somehow, I, and I, do you remember how we actually met?
2: Uh you know i don't exactly it's lost to uh it's lost to time but yeah but i remember some, we had, somehow in there yes
1: yeah but i think it was somehow we were at a tournament and yeah, it was like it was like but we kind of knew each other through my brother and it was sort of like hey you know it was like oh small world yes that's how yeah. we kind of like reconnected um you know, it always, it always appreciated how, even though you, at the time you were on a separate team, it was like, you know, just long lost friends and we shared a love for jujitsu. And then, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, in the very beginning, how when I was struggling with my own training and kind of like searching for a new direction, one of the first ones I just chatted with, and you were very open and honest. You didn't, you didn't sell the gym. You didn't sit there and say, Oh, well you need to leave X and come over to Y. You were just basically like, you need to talk to people. You need to talk to, other gyms you need to talk to people and you know and, and we all knew that uh, and you were the ones who you were one of the ones who said you know talk to rick rick will steer you right you know rick mccoy right. he's not going to bs you he's not going to try to sell the gym he's going to talk to you directly and that advice which led me to talk to rick was some of the best advice i'd ever gotten in my
0: career oh, yeah. i'm glad and I'm glad. um
1: and i remember contacting you because even though i'd been in the game for quite a few years and i knew a bunch of the guys who were at mma said so i remember calling you up going hey, man, what classes do you go to? Because I want to go to a class that <laughs> you're in, so I at least yeah. have an unfamiliar face. Uh, yeah. But everybody was so welcoming. It was, a, it was an awesome experience, awesome time. And we've got a great family, great team over there.
2: Oh, yeah, I'd agree. And, um, I mean, I have to say, you know, what, what you've built at Mongrel, it, I'm always in awe of it. It's, I've trained at a few places, and Mongrel is probably the most familial environment with respect to jiu-jitsu that I have ever encountered, man. And, uh, you know, you've built something great there. Uh, You should definitely be proud of uh, your team and yourself.
1: I I appreciate that greatly. I I really am, and um, it means a lot to me that uh, you saying that. Um, A lot of people will come in and say, in my opinion, you said it correctly, it should be proud of the team. I am proud of the team. Mm -hmm. It's it's nothing that I could have ever accomplished on my own, um, surrounded by some of the most incredible people in the world, a diverse, very diverse crowd of people. And we're all just, we're on the mats. It's the equalizer. You step in through the door and There's no religion. There's no race. There's no creed. It's just, we're all family and we're there to simulate murder and have fun with it. And, um, (laughs) and everyone takes care of one another and and it's, and it is awesome. It is great. And I'm very happy that you're part of that family too. Um, you know, when I've had to step away for X, Y, and Z, I always know that you're an extremely dependable person that could come over teach. I never even worried about how you were going to do. I knew it was going to be awesome. Um, and all I ever heard, back from my students um, was how amazing you taught and how you go over great details. You don't just gloss over, you're very open. And I think that's sort of like, I think one of the reasons why we're such good friends is because we do have that same mentality when it comes to jujitsu as mm-hmm. upper belts. Um, as we, we were coming up in it, um, not so much you, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes in my path, yeah. right. but a lot of times what I've witnessed, I'll say it that way, eyewitness was a lot of upper belts that were pretty much like no you're a lower belt you have nothing to contribute um right now when you and i were coming up that's kind of true because all we knew is what we were being shown by the person the upper belt in front of us but with the internet and cross training that is so readily available now there are some things that we can learn from other lower belts Um, and I, and I know you're very open with discussion and talking with people about it as I am. And I think that's one of the secrets and I hate to say that because now other people are going to copy us, but I think (laughs) it's one of the secrets of why we have such an amazing crew here because people don't just sit there and think, Oh, I'm going to go to mongrel and take a class. It's like, I'm going to my gym where Mm. my friends are. Yeah. We're going to train and they know that they can with, there are limits of course, but we can have open communication. And I always appreciate that about you. Um, you know, when you would come over, you know, and you're, you're a, a black belt, I'm still at the Brown belt, but when you would come in the door and I would look at you and I'm like, Hey man, you, you know, out of course, out of respect for you as an individual, you, you know, your shit and a black belt. And I would be like, Hey man, you, you want to teach? You're like, no bro, I'm here to be a student today. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I, you don't see that a whole lot. And, um, that meant a lot to me, that somebody who I admire, one of my peers, uh, one of my coaches, I can see you one of my coaches since you are a black belt, that you come in and you entrusted in me and you trusted my, my skill level. And it was always great, it always made me feel good. Um, so I appreciate you being part of this family that you've helped create. It's, it's, it's every person who's stepped on the mat has helped to make it what it is today. Yeah, thank you.
2: I'll, I'll say man, this, uh, this art is humbling if you haven't been humbled by jujitsu, then you're, uh, I mean, I don't know, either you're not doing it right or you're a level of phenom that I have
1: yet to encounter (laughs) in person. Yeah. I mean, even Gordon Ryan's been beaten. So it's, you know, on the top right now, but yeah, um, I think one of the most interesting aspects of jujitsu that we can both attest to is that you're always going to, I mean, we're now at at almost the utmost levels, normal, utmost levels. We're not talking coral belts yet,
0: but we're at the
1: level of jujitsu. It's like, you're still going to have people coming in. They're going to whip the hell out of you. And it's like, man, you know, you got like a a mid 20 year old division one wrestler who comes in the door. That's going to be, that's going to not be a fun time. (laughs) Yeah, Because they're going to come at, come at you of everything they got. It's funny that you know you just have to fall back to your training. Uh, exactly. Of yep, uh,
2: I agree a hundred percent, man. Um, and uh, you know this, but uh, when I teach, I teach from a place of very much the basics, right? Building on the basics, solid fundamentals. Uh, I think if you have solid fundamentals, you know, or, or rather, I should say, without them, before you can do that. You know, super reverse de La Heva, Barambolo, cartwheel pass, roll. I mean, your your armbar can't suck, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have a strong guard. Yeah. You have to have one go to sweep from the guard. You just have to build on those fundamental fundamentals, man. And it's uh you know, it's a question of mat time, sweat equity.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, we um we always talk about it's the hours on the mat, not the years. Right. Uh, I referenced um, quite a few years ago, Cron Gracie was still a brown belt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My memory serves, uh, he competed at the Pan Ams, and then, like, I, don't, I can't remember the timeline, but it was after the Pan Ams, he actually went to Japan to compete, and I believe that's where he was awarded his black belt. So I watched him in one of his biggest last brown belt tournaments, and he went through the entire division and beat everybody, and mm-hmm. nothing was flashy. It was all guard work, basic chokes, basic arm bars. Right. The only time he was in trouble was that I think he went up against a judo guy and the judo guy threw him. Mm-hmm. He hit the ground, immediately turned up underneath the guy and pulled him down into his guard and then systematically did what he'd been doing the rest of the tournament. Okay, yeah. Now, I will tell you, I, uh, this is uh, quite sure someone's going to hear this and get kind of all riled up. I don't care. Yeah. we're in the stands watching, Kron is thrown, Kron hits the ground, he spins around, pulls the guy down into the guard, and they start going. It was a good 35, 45 seconds, maybe even a minute, before Kron submitted the guy. As the guy tapped, the ref threw up the two points for the other guy for the takedown.
0: <laughs> yeah. He
1: waited till Kron had won the match before he awarded the points for the for the. Throw, <laughs> and we were all like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah, man. right. But <laughs> Kron yeah. But, but no, it's, it, it is. I, I, I see a lot of people try a lot of flashy stuff. And, you know, of course, my students will come to me and like, you know, hey, coach, can we learn this? We can learn this. And yeah. Like, OK. You want to learn a barambola, but you don't even know how to maintain half guard. You don't yeah. even know. I, right. it's like, like, no, no. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. Very much, very much. So what is um, what's next for your jujitsu journey? I mean, you're a black belt. You're teaching over at MMA Institute
2: yeah You're man i um, so busy
1: you can't come visit me anymore at Mongrel. that's okay it's okay
2: it's yeah right. <laughs> well i mean i guess we've successfully avoided this topic you know for most of the podcast but nowadays you can't get away from it man uh you know it's just we're in the midst of something historic i guess it's a what maybe a once in a century type event now with these pandemics give or take yep um you know and i, I I've got close relatives who are who are older and who are not in the best of health. So it's really been a struggle for me, man. I um, you know, I haven't really been able to train or teach just for fear of you know what I might bring back to them. So uh, you know, at this point I'm I'm just kind of seeing, you know, how the science goes, how how the infection rates are going. I know people are just now starting to kind of get back on the mats full time uh, so I'm just going to pay attention to that. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can get back to, you know, my students and my training partners here very soon. But, uh, you know, for now I've just got to play it by ear and, and, and just try to, try to keep as keep the family as safe as I, as I possibly can. But it sucks, man.
1: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, it's one of those things where you, you attested to it, I think beautifully earlier where, you talk about you develop these friendships for life, you know, right. uh, you mentioned Jake Young earlier, Jake, a very accomplished high level black belt traveled to Vietnam for a few years has now moved mm-hmm. back to the United States. Correct. And, uh, one of the very first things we did is we held a seminar, right? And yep. He hosted a seminar and it was just awesome because he was showing some nice little sneaky tricks and, but everything was basics. Just like you said, he, it was all basics. Yeah, and then he just added on and tightened some things up, but it's um, you know, it, it was very nice seeing people who had not seen. It was kind of like the first big thing we did. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I I remember that man it broke my heart. I couldn't couldn't be there,
1: but yeah. And if anybody's listening, they're like, wait a minute, how did you do jujitsu? Uh, we all maintained six foot of uh, social distancing. It was all <laughs> right. In touch invisible guard it was amazing stuff he brought back a lot of great stuff from vietnam but yeah uh,
2: yep so i'll uh, i'll throw in one thing th- right
1: now going oh
2: <laughs> yeah let me just throw in one thing man if uh if you're listening to this and you know you're you don't feel comfortable training right now if you're not able to get back in the gym uh, you know some things that i've been doing just just keep in shape, obviously, so that when you are able to step back on the mat, you know you'll have the capability to, to kind of work your game. But also, um, if you don't have like a grappling dummy or something, and I've I've told people this before; it's funny, but you can just grab a blanket and stuff your gi. You can still work your movements. You can still drill. Like you don't have to completely give up on jujitsu. Yep. So you know, do those things. Maintain your skill set, and you know we'll we'll be waiting for you when you when you're ready to return
1: yeah and you know it's, I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up because um one thing that was a shock to me because I did I continued doing my own solo training I was shooting videos for the team mm-hmm. right and I, I, I I was still touching a gi a couple times a week and I did not even think about it until some people started coming back. And, and, and how we started doing it in the very beginning, once we were able to open the gym, is we were allowing, because we have so many people who are related that train. We have husband and wives, right. fathers and kids, mothers and children, so forth. So we are, you know, we're brothers and sisters. They were their own training partners.
0: So yeah.
1: you've already got a husband and wife. Facility is clean. You know, we're OCD with that as we can possibly do, be. Mm-hmm. We had we laid down protocols. We had ways that people were walking around. We made sure everybody was feeling good. We were, we're st- and still doing all this, of course, checking temperatures. Yeah. We've marked off the areas in the mats where they had 10 foot like, as, as required. And we were doing everything as we were, we were proud to do. And, and, again, it was like this is the best scenario. Was like, um, I won't mention anybody's names, of course, but we have this one couple. They're dating. They live together. They both do jujitsu. It was yeah. awesome. They could come yeah. in. And then all of a sudden, they're coming up to me going, oh, my God, my hands hurt. I've got mat burn, my knees. My... And it's like, oh, yeah. it's been a couple months that you've had a gi on. You haven't gripped a gi. You haven't right. stepped on a mat. And everybody's elbows and knees and fingers and toes were so yeah. And because you developed the calluses. Yep. And they all went Body away. becomes accustomed to that training. That's right. And it all went away. So I'm very happy you said that. Yes, yes. Continue. Doing some form of training. Um, one of the things that I love to do is I love to take an old gee, throw it over a pull-up bar, and grip yep. the sleeves and, and do pull-ups because that's that's still that. In my opinion, I think at our level, it's all about those grips. Yes. Establish Correct. those grips, and if you can't hold, then you don't have really a good grip, and then work from there. Yep. That's that was great. one thing that I, I was good for me. too well, awesome. Well, I. So what's what's on the the horizon for Thomas? What else is going on? Um, we talked about your books. Uh, we're all patiently waiting to, you know, full-fledged get back on the mats. Is anything else going on? Yeah. I mean, that's where it's at, man. You know, the, uh, the
2: journey continues. Uh,
1: you know, more writing, more training, uh, more just enjoying life. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, I cannot thank you enough. Um, it's it, so a complete transparency. This, we've been trying to work on this the past few weeks, trying to line schedules up. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, finally got it to happen. And I, I know you're on vacation right now and I so greatly appreciate you taking a moment from the family. Of course, I've been on family vacations. You need moments away from the family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. So this might've been better for you. Uh, but I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, when I started this podcast, you were one of the people on my short list because I thought, what an interesting person to talk to, uh, Marine, Jiu jitsu black belt, and then a very accomplished author of a series that I enjoy. So it was, it was really all about me coming and bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really appreciate your time, Thomas. Uh, is there any parting words you have for anybody?
2: Uh, yeah, brother. Thank you for uh, having me on. I appreciate it so much. Uh, you know, I love talking about writing, I love talking about jujitsu, I love people. Um, you know, it, uh, I, I can't wait to uh, get back on the mats and train with you again real soon.
1: Ah oh, man, you you know the door is always open for you. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, give my love to the family. Thank you, sir, and uh, you take care. All right, me too. Thank you, brother.